What's up, everybody? Um, new stuff with All I Need is we're about to do a trip to Tampa Pro. Me, Goonan, and Timmy Knuth will be going in about 15 days. I'm excited because I'll get out of winter again, which is pretty nice. Um, what else? What else? Um, I've been updating the site, allineedskate.com, and there's new podcasts, there's new vlogs. Each of the team riders has has their own show, their own personal vlog, and has been posting them. Um, Surf Expo edits up there. Our new video in the trenches is up there. Um, yeah, everything's there. Uh, yeah, check out allineedskate.com. And today's guest is legendary Jeremy Ray. <laughs> it was a we had a weird connection, you know, but we persevered, and uh, it turned out to be one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, yeah, Jeremy's a legend. Enjoy. I just love the skating and the scene. Rain, rain, go away. All I need is a skateboard today. Board today. Board today. This is the Shetler Show featuring professional skateboarder, podcaster, and All I Need Skate founder, Anthony Shetler. So everyone was, it was hot. Everyone was doing it. Yeah, they're looking for their dad's fucking metal skateboards in the garage. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, yeah. Get on this thing. <laughs> Each episode brings you amazing discussions with interesting people from all walks of life. Kind of when skateboarding clicked for me and you learn some tricks or whatever and you get that appreciation from your peers, you know, the other skaters are like, holy shit, like, yeah, dude, that's rad. Admiration. Yeah, yeah the admiration or the, the affirmation. Real. Recognize real. If I didn't experience those crazy moments my life, then these great moments would never be as great as they have been. Honestly, like for me, I just loved it. Like I saw those dudes, I saw those videos, and I was like, holy fuck, this is sick. Yeah. This is what I want to do. Cool. Um, let's start, man. How, let's get into how you found skateboarding. Well, I guess uh, there were some kids in our neighborhood when we lived in Florida that had one of those little, like, yellow banana boards. So they cruised that around the neighborhood. But uh, we never had a board while we lived there. It wasn't until we moved to California in, like, the early 80s. I was probably in third grade or so when we started skateboarding. And, uh... It was actually my brother Jazz that had the first skateboard. I have an older brother, Jazz. He's three years older than me. And he had the first skateboard out of all of us. And uh, so are you... Just, uh, Sorry. Are you originally from Florida? Huh? I was born in... California. And uh, our dad was in the military, so we moved around a lot after that. Nice. So we did spend some time on the east coast we uh florida and north carolina and uh then pop back over to california when the parents split yeah that'll happen and then but you probably weren't mad at florida you were already skating i mean uh you were already skating in florida you said no we, uh there was a kid in our neighborhood that had one of those little banana boards like little yellow plastic ones and uh you know he pushed around on the street and i think we you know we tried is out, but we never had one while we were over there. We were going to the beach a lot in Florida as kids, so just do some boogie boarding and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? a, that's super fun to do. I tried that recently, and 
bust my ass, but I had so much fun. <laughs> was it um? Yeah. Was it was it hard with your dad in the military? Like, did you, it seems like you had to move a little bit? Yeah, I think we moved about every two years. So yeah, it was always like it wasn't as bad until you get into school. So then once you're in school, you got to hop around to new schools and uh do like uh you know start all over with friends and stuff like that. Yeah, so, that's kind of tough growing up. Yeah, it's tough when you're growing up and you have to like leave all your friends and then like reestablish yourself with new friends again. And I've done that before as well. It's not fun. Yeah, and we were still pretty young for most of it. So you know, like kindergarten, first and second grade, hopping around a little bit. But then, uh, yeah, once we got to California, we pretty much settled in. Got a good chunk, maybe like five years in the same spot, and then moved around a couple more times within California. Nice. And is that when you got fully into skateboarding? Was when you got to California? Yeah, I think uh, yeah, in elementary school, just skating around uh, Glendale, California. It was. We had a couple friends that skated around there, and uh, once we all had our boards, we were just bombing the hills in that area, and uh, we didn't know much about tricks or videos or magazines yet we were pretty much just messing around in our own little space but uh we did end up building a quarter pipe in our driveway so we had a really steep driveway at our house in glendale and if you put a quarter pipe at the at the bottom of it it was basically like a big old half pipe you know? nice so we learned there it goes yeah, it cut out a little bit right there. That's all right. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We had a couple, like, jerry-rigged things like that where we had a mini ramp and then, like, a hill on the other side and we just made shit work. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that... Legit, like, uh, it was just a plywood quarter pipe, but it, uh, you know, you could learn a lot on it. And I guess it was about maybe a four-foot quarter pipe, about six or eight feet wide. Nice. It was legit. I feel and like one of the neighborhood kids who knew a little bit more than us helped us like get it together and you know told us about the transitions and stuff. Sick. Were you were you pretty good at flat ground skating? What's that? Are you pretty good at flat ground skating? I put in a lot of flat ground years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have really good frontside flips and like tray flips and backside flips and heel flips. It's like you definitely practice some flat ground in your days. Yeah, I don't know, something about just learning all the different tricks and trying to, you know, figure out how they work. I think it wasn't really until around when switch skating started coming around that I started figuring out how things work. Because uh, trying to learn it switch and everything felt so unnatural. And then uh, you start doing it regular, like say even with a heel flip. Do the regular one, look at where your feet are, and then try to do the switch one just like that. Try to make it exactly, you know, feet in the same spot and move your body's same way and all of a sudden you start getting better at flips because you learned a lot learning the switch one you know it teaches you why it works yeah exactly yeah it's like physics <laughs> yeah so we went through every trick like that until you know you kind of got to the the basics of where to put your feet where to lean and you know where your balance should be yeah that's that's super key like a lot of people jump on a skateboard and they never really practice to find their center of balance Especially, like, with their front foot, you know, like, where you push from. 
Most people yeah. never find that, so they like get on their board and they're just kind of lost. <laughs> or they'll hop in and skip the basics and try to go straight for hard flips and you know and impossibles because yeah. they have the hard. And then you get credit carded and you're fucking on the ground just holding your ass like ah fuck. <laughs> what um was it? So you have three. You have two brothers. You have an older brother and your younger brother Jonas, right? What was it like skating? In all two, all three, of you guys skated. Yeah, all, uh, in the Glendale years, I'd say Jazz put in maybe three or four years with us, and then uh, when he was in high school and started having friends that were getting cars and stuff, he pretty much just used a skateboard for transportation, getting to and from school and stuff like that. Mostly from school because the school was at the top of the hill. Yep. So he would just go back down, and uh, he had some of the gnarliest road rash from. Like, just even buttboarding down a hill, it swallows and get tossed off, and his, his whole side would be a scab. It looked like a motorcycle crash, you know? Gnarly. It was nuts. <laughs> yeah. So, what, did, were you guys, so it was you and Jonas that really hung on to it, and like, would you guys compete at all? Yeah, like, we were younger, and uh, we had a couple friends that skated, the local kids that were older than us, um... Like a neighborhood or two up, they had a launch ramp, so we started learning how to launch ramp with them. And uh, yeah, one of our buddies from Glendale area, his name was Matt Marcus. He still skates around, and uh, he was already doing like backside 360 judos off the launch ramp, like fully gone style. So he was into gons and notis, and uh, yeah, he was just one of the kids that already had it. So we learned a lot from him. And then uh, there was another buddy. Ryan Woodruff had a, a mini ramp in his backyard, so it was kind of a janky one. It had a lot of personality to it, a lot of bumps, and uh, that was our first ramp, learning how to drop in and all that stuff, too. And then uh, another buddy had a empty backyard pool, like, not even good for skating transition, but you could still, you know, you could probably carve the light and do kick turns on it, so we learned how to skate backyard pools. All, all the stuff really early on. Yeah. That's sick. I was wondering, like, because I have a brother. Did you guys, you and Jonas ever, like, end up competing with each other? Like, just pushing each other further and further? Because I feel like you both are so fucking gnarly at skating. Well, it was weird the way Jonas and I learned. I guess we were complete opposites. Where, I think he learned kickflips first, and I learned heel flips first. (laughs) And then he was doing backside 360 ollies, and I learned frontside 360 ollies. Nice. Uh, even when it got further along to where we're getting a little more tech, like, I was learning a, a nollie back, backside kickflips. They just made sense. And he could do nollie frontside heel flips. <laughs> and his, you know, they just come up like magic for him. And for me, the trick just doesn't make any sense. Like, I can do it in a game of skate, but it's not going to be, like, something that feels natural to me. Where it was the complete opposite for him. Yeah, that's fortunate. Yeah, so if we go to a spot and we wouldn't be doing a lot of the same tricks, just the way it worked out. Even all the way down to switch kickflips and switch heel flips. Like, I, you know, I gravitated towards switch kickflips and they felt good. I learned the switch heel flips too, but Jonas had those switch heel flips really good and switch backside heel flip, where I like switch backside kickflips. So it just kept going down the line. We were always complete opposites. Yeah, you you have a gnarly back uh, switch backside flip too because that's a crazy one. That's that's a really hard one to pull off and you have a really good one, man. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's one of those, like, it was all about where 
know, and if you go over your shoulder and just throw it and trust that it's going to be there, you can really get comfortable with it. And, uh, yeah, they're still, they're still hanging in today. Like, if I go out, I can still get one of those. Nice. If I feel good, you know, it's going to be a good day. Yeah, fuck yeah. Um, okay. Kind of moving forward a little. What, like, what turned you on to, like, the skateboarding industry and sponsorship and all that stuff and... started glitching out again no it's all right you connected now yeah i can hear you and i can see you so nice that last one okay yeah no worries sometimes this happens and my show is pretty uncensored so fuck it <laughs> um okay so what like what turned you on to sponsorship and like the industry and magazines and videos and sponsorships uh, as far as sponsorship stuff goes, we were still skating. We were living in La Habra at this time and in high school. And I think the first and only sponsored guy that was nearby was uh, Jake Sharp. He rode for Liberty. Nice. And uh, so we started skating with him. And we'd see this kind of stuff that he was getting from the sponsors. Like he was getting shapes that were way ahead of their time. Like he was the first guy I saw that had a, a board where the nose was actually bigger than the tail, right when things were starting to change. Nice. And, uh, yeah, he had that probably two years before I even saw it in shops and things, you know? They were trying out new stuff. But, uh, yeah, and then he got hurt. So we didn't skate together as much, and uh, we ended up going to skate camp and trying to meet other people up there, and we ended up getting sponsored through Visalia Skate Camp. Getting introduced to a couple guys up there. I think uh, yeah, after our first trip to skate camp, Jonas picked up uh, Thunder and Spitfire nice. as sponsors. They started flowing them, and uh, they asked me to spend, send a sponsor me tape in. Sick. So, <laughs> a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> he was on right off the bat, though. That's cool, man. What was skate camp like? Was that place pretty tight? My daughter Jaden comes over. Wanna say hi? Hi. That's Anthony. You see, he's in Boston right now. <laughs> yeah. What's up? Yeah, can you see? Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> I, I like your T-shirt. Very cool. <laughs> oh yeah, friends forever, huh? Friends forever. Good you know, advice. <laughs> thing you want to say to Anthony? Mm-hmm. What are you gonna tell him? Um. Um. I have my balloons. Oh, yeah. Some balloons. <laughs> nice. I love balloons. <laughs> Do you like yeah. the minions? Yeah. Yeah. I like the minions, too. <laughs> yeah. There was a, there was a big minion. There's a big one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah, she went to Knott's Berry Farm with her grandparents. Is that what and the... Is she walked it, around a big Snoopy and a big Minion. Nice. Is that what the visitor tag is on your shirt for Knott's Berry Farm? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's when in school. <laughs> she went to Jackson School for Valentine's Day yesterday. Nice. She got to hang out with out all their little Valentine's gifts and stuff. Sick. So, got to pay them a visit. Solid day. How old is she? She's two, but you're going to be three soon? Yeah. 
Yeah, her birthday is coming up. She's been talking about her princess party she's going to have. Nice. That sounds like it's going to be fun. Oh, that's going to be so good. You guys are crushing it. <laughs> all planned out already. Sick. Okay, um, we kind of glitched out you there. We'll wait for the return of the epic Jeremy Ray. Poor connection. Yeah. Nice. Okay, you there? Yeah, so we got our two-year-old daughter, Jaden, running around up front, and our, our puppy just came out front, too, so. Sick. Did Might you... Might wrangle second, but I'll keep my eyes on it. Did you, did you ever um, think you are going to be a father? You there? Yeah, I missed the question again. No, no, no worries. Did you, um... Did you ever think you'd be a father, like, before you had kids? Was that something you wanted? I don't... I guess... I always knew I would be. I just didn't know when, and we didn't really make a solid plan. We just kind of went with what was already happening, you know? Yeah. We never, uh, tried to force anything to happen. It's just the way it worked out. Right. But that... We put it off as long as we could, that's for sure. What was your approach to it, like having to take care of a child for the first time? Like learning a kickflip? Uh, poor connection. Sorry guys to listening. Sometimes this isn't a perfect um, science with the FaceTime recording. So sometimes it cuts out. But uh, once he comes back, we'll keep it going. In the meantime, I'll ramble. I think because he is walking around on his phone uh, in his front yard. It's pretty sick. His kid is awesome. <laughs> Jeremy Ray's the man. I don't know if you can hear me right now because the connection cut out. He's Oh, it failed. Okay, we're going to keep this going. I'm going to call him back, okay? For the... For the podcast. This is sick, though. Ah, some coffee in the belly. It's funny, I smoke a little weed before the show. They see me on camera. and <laughs> I usually call it out. Well, this one might be to be continued. Until I can get him back on the horn. Damn, we're getting into the thick of the skate stuff too, which is sick. Let me give it a minute. I'll just ramble for a second. Damn, Jeremy Ray is so gnarly. I remember when I was little, I would just be... And, like, it'd be winter, and we'd be dying to skate. And we'd just be watching these 4-in-1 videos with Jeremy Ray in it, just doing the gnarliest, most perfect kick flips, front side flips, front threes. You name it. Grinding up rails and shit. Um, and we were just watching those videos like, God damn, this dude kills it, making us want to skate so bad. And uh, I remember, too, seeing this epic water tower Ollie Jeremy pulled off. It's literally life or death. Like, you gotta make it the gap or you fall. It's crazy. I wanna ask him about that as well. Um, let me call him back again. I'll try again. I'll try again. We'll try to keep the party going. The podcast is just wild. We do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> the beeping is annoying, though. I will say that much. 
Maybe we'll have to be to be continued again. Deuce, dose. Alright, people. I'll come back in a little bit. Alright. That was awesome. We got disconnected, but it was alright. That was really sick. <laughs> and we- Oh shit! And she's fast. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, chase her down. We found out if you get a squeaky toy out, she'll come running. Even if she's four houses down, she hears it. She'll run straight inside. Oh, that's perfect. When I was younger, I had a dog, and he would run, and I'd have to chase him, and he thought it was a game, and I would chase him for like miles. It was insane. Yeah, they'll let you get close, and then they'll just dart. Yeah, you'll you'll dive. Literally, I'll dive, stretched out, land on my chest and shit, and, like, miss him, and he'll take off for another mile. I was like... <sighs> and, uh... Sorry. This one time, too, my friend was chasing him, and it was in winter, and he had a leather jacket on with metal buttons, and he's running through the snow, and he hit an electric fence for a horse, and I saw sparks. Wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> chasing my dog for me. Um. Alright, we're jumping around. We're jumping around. Toby that jumped out of the car. We were at a red light, and he was sitting on my lap, and he's got his head out the window, and he just saw the the playground where he's playing, like some grass area, and he jumped out and just started darting down the sidewalk. So I had to open the door, run out, and go get him. We're in, there's a whole lineup of cars behind us, so everyone sees this dog jump out, and he tried to chase him down. And uh, he was actually really fast, too. But, uh, I was able to catch up to him, but I had to get past him to grab his collar. So, you know, getting to his tail is not going to help you. So you have to be, like, neck and neck with him to grab the collar. And sure enough, I went and I grabbed him, and he had me, like, barefoot water skiing for a bit. A little sandy right there. And even though I'm putting on the brakes, he's still running full speed. We slid for a little, and then he stopped and had to bring him back to the car. <laughs> Gnarly. <laughs> okay. I know about dogs now. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. My new dog, Emma, she's super powerful, but she'll, she won't run off too much, so we got it under control. Um, yeah. Okay. We got to get back to skateboarding again. Um, we were talking yeah, about... question before we got cut off, so let's give it a shot. Yeah, we were talking about um, just sponsorship, like that whole world and how you got into it. Um, do you remember your first ad or first video part you were working on? Yeah, the first sponsorship was directly linked to Visalia Skate Camp and meeting those guys, getting on Thunder and Spitfire. Um, yeah, sent in my sponsor tape. We heard back. So then me and Jonas were both getting flow from uh, Thunder and Spitfire. And then uh, when it came down to finding a board sponsor, I had the video that I had just made for, for them. So I sent a copy down um, to Dave Berkthold with Blockhead Skateboards. Nice. Because there were guys um, from Blockhead up at Skate camp while we were there so there was kevin bergfold was there he's dave bergfold's brother and i think i was able to get my tape in his hands he brought it down to dave and uh i guess laban was the one that was their one of their main pros at the time and he had seen the tape and was down so it was like one of the asr trade shows after all that i went down and i talked to a couple different people i still had my tape with me going around just seeing who was down and I actually ended up uh, getting on Black Label and Blockhead on the same day. Wow. They both guessed. And was like, well, now what? You know? So, but uh, 
I had talked to the other team riders at Blockhead, and they were just about to do their new video. They were working on uh, Recycled Rubbish was the name of that video, I think. So, and they said I could have a part in it. So, like, all right, hop right in and film part for a video. And I know some of the guys, and Jason Dill was on Blockhead at the time, too. Damn. So we already knew him and seen him. So, yeah. Me and Jason are going to go out and film for the new Blockhead video. Perfect. So let's do it. And uh, at that, it was all in that same day when uh, John Lucero and Jeff Grosso were hanging out, and they had given me their, their black label boards to try out. I ended up giving them back to them. I, I went back to the booth. I'm like, hey, like, looks like I'm going to ride for Blockhead, so you know, I don't want to take your guys' stuff. Like, here, you can have it back. And they were like, really? Like, you don't, you know? And they said it was a big mistake riding for, for Blockhead, that I shouldn't do it. Like, you're crazy. Like, you don't want to ride for us? Like, I do, but, you know, they they got the stuff going on. I know these guys, and we're going to start filming a video part right now. Like, you, right. you were like, thanks, but no thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah, they were, like, surprised that I even brought them back. So, like, you know, you're already had them. Like, you don't need to bring them back. But, yeah, like, no, it's good. So they, they appreciated it in the end. They were like, that's strange, you know? <laughs> Super awkward. <laughs> Come on, connection. Poor connection again. You there, Jeremy? Yeah. But it's coming back. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't too long after that. Let's see if it gets better. Yeah. I know this... It's getting there. It's weird. FaceTime is not a perfect science yet. They need to figure... The astronauts and scientists that figure out the internet need to work on it. <laughs> but uh, the funniest part about doing all that was that uh, Jason Dill ended up quitting Blockhead and riding for Black Label when uh, Gino got on Black Label and we were skating with him a lot. And also my brother Jonas got on Black Label. Wow. So it, they all ended up over there. So... But we still had a you know a solid crew at Blockhead, and we were still making videos and having a lot, a lot of fun. How long did you ride for Blockhead for? Yeah, it was crazy. I could... How long? Yeah. Uh, shoot, maybe two years. Between two and three years, I guess. It was like it was pretty quick. There was a lot going on around that time. A lot of videos being filmed for, a lot of like photos and magazines, and you know. Started uh, even working towards little interviews and things like that, doing like the, you know, the checkouts and little articles here and there. So, yeah, there was a lot going on. Was there, at that time in the industry, was there money to be had? Like, were people making a living off of skating exclusively as a pro or a sponsored person? Not really. I mean, that that was one of the reasons why I ended up leaving Blockhead, because, uh, why? I was writing for them, the top guy at the time was late, and uh, he was struggling because he, you know, lived on his own. He had a, you know, he had a rent. He had to get in on time and uh, struggling to get that payment because if boards are in and out, he was trying to get a guarantee of a certain amount um, just so he could stay afloat. And, you know, a blockhead was so small at the time, they couldn't guarantee it. And then, uh, so I saw, like, what was waiting for me, and it was going to be a pretty tough struggle. So I ended up getting a phone call from Chris Markovich when they started uh, Color Skateboards. And they had the same idea. They already had a, a board manufacturer in place. Um, they were starting to put the team together. And 
you know, they were offering a certain amount to, and it was like, okay, that uh, would be a good start, and I think if we get the right people, we can make something really good, and I'll be in it from the beginning. So it just seemed like the right opportunity at the right time with the right group of guys that were all motivated to make something new and cool together. So, and we started immediately filming for that color video, and uh, yeah, I just stayed busy and kept skating as hard as I could. How how did that video do? Did you guys receive good feedback? You there? That was a bad connection too. I could hear you, but I couldn't hear you. Yeah, did you um? How'd that video do? The color video? Did you get good reception? Yeah, the color video. stoked on their parts the editing and everything like came together i think we edited that one with uh josh freeberg like back in the early early 411 days um all the tapes ended up over there yeah, and i think he was the one that edited it together with us but uh i don't know like the quality of the tape that they put it on though was always an issue because uh i guess the people over where they were doing it rich metaver and his guys they found some some way to save a couple cents on VHS tapes and get a cheaper quality. So all of, even the brand new ones were all glitchy. I don't think there is a clean copy of it out there. No, so, really. <laughs> yeah, that was an issue. It seemed like everything that we tried to do, there was always some issue with the quality that could have been better, but someone's trying to save, you know, a couple cents. Like even all the way down to stickers. Like they said we couldn't get die cut stickers because the die cutting process was too expensive. So we're getting all of our stickers just like on a square or a rectangle or set sizes. And uh, I remember before one of our tours, uh, when we went through Europe, we were all just hand cutting the stickers, you know, just to make them look nicer. So breaking out the, the scissors and cutting like, you know, 300 stickers, you know? Not really. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's like an issue with some brands, you know, is like trying to take shortcuts and it's tough, you know, it's when you're learning to build a brand, like, I imagine that, that where they're just trying to figure it out, you know, and then, but definitely shit yeah. bites you in the ass if you try to cut co too many corners, you know? Yeah. yeah people uh, want good quality stuff, and the, the newness of a brand wears off pretty quick if the quality's not up to par. So, the good thing is the skateboards were always good, which was the number one priority, but then, like, when it came down to even the shirts, like, the quality of the silk screening on the shirts, you'd have colors that were bleeding together and like the lines weren't tight and it was just really strange that you know you're working with a pretty big company up there and they have all these other brands they're running through and like i don't know why they can't silk screen a shirt like i was in my high school silk screen class reading better quality stuff than they were able to make for our brand and then at one point they even said well why don't you screen our shirts for us and it was like i'm not gonna go silk screen hundreds of color skateboard shirts when you know you guys have a factory up there that actually does this stuff yeah you know? i wonder it doesn't work like that a screen printing class you know? <laughs> yeah crazy all right so where does it go from color well color um kind of shook things up a little bit because uh i guess our team manager was mark oblo and he had been doing some stuff up, up in SF. He had a, a wheel company called Race Wheels. And uh, he split from that and ended up doing stuff with uh, Rich Metaver, who was part owner of Color. 
and that was heavily involved in uh, union wheels and stuff like that. So when Oblo went that route, there was a big split, and I rode for Thunder and Spitfire, which were heavily at the brands, and uh, and Color being linked with Union Wheels, they tried to make all of us that rode for Color quit our wheel sponsors and ride for Union. Whoa. And I wasn't down. But Mark already rode for Union, so he was fine. And trying to get all of us to do that, I, I just wanted to ride for Spitfire and Thunder and ride Color Skateboards, and that's it. And I got fought pretty hard about staying on Spitfire. And then uh, it just created a big rift. And in the end, I ended up losing Spitfire as a sponsor uh, further down the way, you know, for that and other reasons. But, yeah, it was crazy. It's hard to, hard to keep it together when you're not up in SF and uh, riding for one of the deluxe brands. Yeah. Yeah, it's like um, I've noticed that with deluxe. When I used to ride for a Spitfire and Thunder, too, and... I would do trips to SF, and it was sick. But they just, like, when the people that rode for those brands would end up moving to SF for a while, you know? Yeah. Because if you stay and you stay loyal, you can make it pretty far. But as soon as you get cut from one, you're cut from everything. And then, like, you know, I feel bad for the guys that were actually doing really well in skateboarding, and they rode for all deluxe all the way down the line. Because when you lose that, all of a sudden you lose all your sponsors in a day. Yeah. And then trying to rebuild that is tough you know and a lot of people never came back you know so i was lucky to have it sprinkled around a little bit to where if one went down you know i had other things to fall back on and like you know keep rebuilding until everything worked again yeah like all your all your eggs are not in one basket it's a good move yeah <laughs> yeah no, it's, it's tough to keep it like that though and uh yeah with element most of my eggs ended up in the same basket again which uh when that you know wasn't a working relationship anymore you know, yeah. So I, even though I knew not to do that, I still got bit by it in the end. Yeah, that ha that'll happen. I've had that happen yeah. with Zoo I had that happen with Zoo York because they I was riding for their board brand and their footwear, so the paycheck yeah. was for both those, you know, and that was predominantly how I made my living, you know, and then. They decided, like, okay, we're doing a different direction out of nowhere. So then it's like, okay, well, I'm not part of that direction, I guess. So then you're out to, like, figure something else out, you know? Yeah. Yep. It, it can be tough out there. It's just... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But it's good, man. It's good that, like, uh... Um, you did a lot with Element, though, right? Like, you traveled and did all this stuff. How long do how long do you ride for them? I've been thinking I rode for Element for like maybe thirteen to fourteen years, something like that. Holy shit! I was on there. I think I got on like maybe ninety eight or ninety nine. Yeah, the first ad was somewhere in there, and then uh, yeah, I made a run all the way till like maybe twenty thirteen, something wow. like that. How how did you end up on Element? Uh. When Plan B went out of business, when, because uh, Mike Tansky had died, and everyone was trying to pick up the pieces and keep Plan B going, because he was the man doing everything, and yeah. uh, he had a solid vision and a plan, and he, you know, was the only one that knew everything that Plan B was, was doing, so 
when the skateboarders tried to take over and keep it rolling, um, none of us knew that much about running the business. And even though the demand for the boards and the products was high, we weren't um, making enough to support the whole crew. And uh, everything we made would sell out, but we weren't making enough of it. And if we were ever out of stuff, it would really hurt, like, you know, the income. So, yeah, it was, it was tough just keeping that ball rolling. And uh, Danny and Colin did as much as they could to keep it going. And in the end, they had to close the doors. So when that shut down... It sent us all looking for new sponsors, and Danny ended up with Alien Workshop. I think uh, Colin ended up starting Seek, and then yeah, I ended up talking to a few people. And Element at the time was pretty small, but they had just released their uh, third eye view video that had like Reese Forbes and Kenny Hughes and um, a couple of other guys that were really strong at the time joined their crew too so I went back to like even Markovich riding with him again I thought that'd be cool I was surprised when he rode for Element because they were even smaller when he got on but it kind of brought attention to the brand and then yeah when I followed him then it brought even more attention to the brand and we started like making more videos and things were good for a while you know if we had one of the best teams in skateboarding for a couple of years you know I thought we were solid and and even Donnie Barley joining the team and stuff like that um yeah we had a good crew yeah, gnarly crew, for sure. Legendary crew. Yeah, and if, if they were able to just keep that together, I think we could have done a lot more. You guys came through... Um, but, uh, same. Hmm? Alright, sorry. Um, You guys came through my town when I was little. You guys did a demo, and it was pretty sick. I remember you, you ollied like um, a construction barrier, like a barrel orange barrel with a light on it you, you and i think reese forbes all eat it all right fucking it off a little bump or something no it was flat it was fucked up it was really really tall <laughs> <laughs> <That's rad. laughs> all right i'm sorry to derail but you you were saying if they could have kept that crew together oh yeah no i think like we had such a solid crew of people that were definitely into skateboarding for life and we could have held those guys together and just continued with this you know really solid crew but uh, uh yeah i don't know what was going on but they were losing them one by one and in the end i was the last dude there who was from you know the not the original days but like you know i was there the longest and uh, trying to hold it together, and new guys kept coming in and getting new opportunities and stuff. And uh, I was just—you see the changing of the guard, and it's something you just can't fight, you know. In the end, you just gotta let it, let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we gotta kind of we kind of jumped around just out of excitement. We gotta go back to the formation or the riding for Plan B. manufacturing and the quality of everything that was coming out they just had the disagreements about you know the way we wanted our products and the way the products were coming out so i think i don't know if there was a certain issue or if it was just a bunch of different issues but ablo and markovich called it with metaver they split 
And uh, all of a sudden, we were all sponsorless again. So, Pablo and Markovic started talking to the guys at World Industries and talking to Rocco about, you know, putting something together over there. And uh, it was one of those things, like, I wish we could have kept the, that crew together and kept the name Color and kept it rolling, but somehow... Same guys, start with a new name, new brand, new image, new everything. And uh, I knew the way World Industries worked. They ran through companies. They would start something new. It would last maybe two years, and then they would shut it down and then start another new company. And uh, I had seen people who got caught in that, that cement mixer of brands. Just like It just wasn't a quick turnover, and it was something you couldn't really rely on. So I didn't want to be team hopping around over the next few years while they're trying to figure out what brand works. So I just started looking for what's the, the best company to ride for that has the most solid team that will be around forever, and everything was pointing towards plan B. So that's that was my goal was to, to make that happen. And uh, I know in the meantime I had gotten a, an offer from Real to go ride for them, which, you know, wouldn't. Again. Yeah, you were talking about real, and they gave you an offer, which seems kind of strange because you didn't ride for. Were you riding for Spitfire and Thunder then? Yeah, at that point I was still riding for Thunder and Spitfire, um, and we had made a few trips up there, shot photos with all the the local guys. We had shot photos with with Gabe, Morford, with uh, Tobin Yellen and Bryce Knights, and we'd actually shot some stuff for uh, a triple interview. With me and Jonas and Jason Dill, we spent like a week up there and just, you know, we all had enough. We had even uh, gone through and recorded the the interview part with all of us, and it was supposed to run in Thrasher. And, uh, yeah, that was right about the time when I got on color and everything split, so all that stuff got canned. And those photos just died. Like, they, they got put in, you know, in the, in the drawer and never came out. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... Yeah, it was crazy how all that went down. But, uh, yeah, then we made some connections over at Transworld and just kept shooting with them, you know, and kept it going over there. But, uh, yeah, for a while, Al Thrasher had banned anyone that rode for Color Skateboards was banned <laughs> from uh, having coverage in Thrasher at all. So that was a pretty large crew to ban, and we were doing a lot at the time. So that's we pretty much got pushed towards Transworld. But we ended up doing a lot of stuff with Transworld. Fucking politics. Even in skateboarding. <laughs> yeah. But eventually, you know, it all worked out and we started getting stuff. It was funny when they started putting our old photos in Thrasher. Like, you know, two, three years later, I have a photo that I shot that pops up in there. It's like, you know, a lot changes in those colors. Yeah, absolutely. So even... By the time the photos ran. Connection's crazy, Jeremy. Yeah, I know. I, I can see it keeps cutting out. Can you try Can you try a new location, maybe? Yeah, I'll try, uh, I'll try out back, see if it helps. Nice. Let's go check it out. I'm super hyped you're down to do this. This is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. 
we just I wish I could do them all in person, but I'm in on the East Coast, you know, so I record with FaceTime and a lot of the times the FaceTime works pretty good, but sometimes Yeah. Damn, backyard now? Oh yeah, we're in the backyard. Nice. Check uh we got a little mini ramp over here. I don't know if you can see that. Yo, that thing looks sick. Good backyard ramp. <laughs> yeah, we put that in on one of my birthdays. Um, I thought it was going to be my last chance to get a ramp together. So I, uh, you know, scrapped, scraped together what I could and put it up and had it uh, built in time for my birthday. And we had a birthday session on it. Sick. That is there a pool coping on that one side? Yeah, we got pool coping. All that stuff came from... Uh, doing stuff with that show Built to Shred. Nice. They had uh, leftover materials at the end, and they were going to warehouse it all. And uh, they decided they'd rather have it on a ramp. So we even got, like, some some leftover skate light, which made a world of difference. Because this ramp, you know, survived a few years, but the weather would just wreck it. Yeah. Mason would just get bubbled up and all that. And, like, yeah, it was hard to maintain it. So it would be unskatable for, you know, a year and a half, things like that. And then we finally, you know, get some materials again and, and revamp it. But, yeah, with the skate light on, it's good to go. It's been through all kinds of weather, and it's still good. Yeah, that stuff's really durable. Um, What was the Built to Shred show? How'd that come to be? I remember that show. Yeah, um, it was weird. I was in between sponsors again, just looking for something to do. Needed, needed some work, but I wanted it to be in skateboarding. So I had a cousin that was doing editing for them, and I just ended up meeting up with him and skating, and he's like, he heard that I was looking for work. He's like, let me ask the guys that built the shred if they have anything. And they ended up uh, needing like a talent uh, coordinator. So I was going to be the guy who would actually call in the other skateboarders to come in on the show to skate and do some tricks and film whatever they were doing for that episode. So it seemed like a good fit. Cause, you know, I know a lot of the people around this area, so... Yeah, I was able to step in and just, you know, every time they were doing a shoot, call up every one of my friends, like, hey, let's, you want to skate this thing? We're going to build this and this. All right. And they'd come out for the weekend and we'd skate whatever they built. Yeah, so, that sounds sick. Yeah, so I, I was with them um, for their last season and a half or something. And then uh, they ended up, you know, pulling that show off of Fuel when uh, UFC got really big. <laughs> their their uh, focus changed, too. So you, like the whole fuel network that channel just switched over they wanted nothing but ufc and you know going a different direction so skateboarding was out again motherfuckers <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i wanted to i want to go back to the very beginning what what uh what sparks what sparks you on skating like what, what makes you want to how old are you right now jeremy 41 damn so what what gets you like what makes you want to keep skating into your 40s I think it's just one of those things where it's, it's not all I know, but I really know it well, and I enjoy it, and uh, I don't know, you see the people, like my friends that don't skate, now they're into like fishing, and they go fishing every weekend, they got their boats, they go out, they're you know, pulling up calico, they're in fishing tournaments and stuff like that, I have no other interests that I want to get into, it's just skateboarding is a part of me now, I think I've been skateboarding for... 32 years gnarly gnarly yeah it's nuts just but uh it feels good you know it it makes me happy 
Yeah, so absolutely. You can still challenge yourself. Like, there's so much more that you can still learn. It's just you can pick something one day and go for it, and uh, even something you've never tried, and just you can figure it out and do it. Yeah. So that's why this year is going to be fun because uh, I don't know if you saw last year. We tried to do a kickflip a day. I made a New Year's resolution to do a kickflip every day of 2016. I was following along. Yeah, Jonas and I had tried to do it, I think, about five years in a row. Every, you know, New Year's, we'd start it. And we'd make it usually till around April. And then it would die out. <laughs> you know, we'd go out for my birthday or something and then, you know, drink too much, try to get up the next day and just, you know, or you miss a day and you just never made it through. And, you know, you miss a day and it's over, right? So one of the years we even tried to do it where if you miss a day, you can catch up by doing two in a row the next day. Oh, sick. <laughs> you know? But you have to be like two in a row. And uh, that helped keep it rolling for longer. But even that didn't make it to the end of the year. There was always something that would get in the way, even if it was just weather. You know, if it rained two days in a row and you didn't get your kickflip in. Oh, so man. This one for 2016, what pushed me to do it was I started filming it. You know, you just bring your phone outside and do one. And once you start posting it and filming it, then people kind of started holding you accountable <laughs> or you hold yourself accountable because now it's out there and, like, more people know that you're trying to do it. So, yeah, 2016 was the first year I tried to film it, and that was the only year I made it all the way through. Gnarly. That's sick you did it. Yeah, so I ended up making it, and it wasn't easy. There were a lot of days that were tough, like, you know, with weather or just circumstances or, like, you know, I'd even leave the house without my board because I had to do something else. And then sun would go down and you got to do it in the dark. But then you're trying to film it. Like, where can you do it? You know, so I had a couple even that I did in my kitchen inside my house just so you could actually see the kickflip. You know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> I outside with the light of the, the headlights. And, you know, sometimes it was just it was too, too much trying to do it outside. It's too dark. That's a cool idea, man. I was following along on the Instagram watching them. You have good kickflips. Your kickflips are, uh... Oh. Now it's on my end. My dogs are freaking out. UPS. <laughs> One sec. Let me make sure it's all good. Hang on. One second, Jeremy. That's Elwood and Emma. I have two dogs. I have a miniature long-haired dachshund, and Emma is what we think is like a little pit bull, but she's not pit bull. She just acts crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I can totally relate with you on the um, trying to keep something going, because like, even with this show, this podcast, it's been a few years now, but I've committed to doing one episode a week, and uh, you know, to film it, I mean record it, and then I have to edit it, put it up, do the conversation. Like, um, But I've stayed with it, which I'm pretty proud. It's not every day, but once a week to me, I was like, um, it's cool to actually commit to something and follow through, you know? Yeah, and it helps to set a, some kind of schedule or, like, you know, have something to, to rely on. Yeah, once a week, at least you know, all right, I got to do one this week. Yeah. And you get it done, it work. Yeah, with the, the kickflip a day, I found it was just easier to do it if you get it in before noon or something, you know, try to get it while the sun was good. And, uh, it doesn't take that long. You just go outside and you do a kickflip, you know, and some days are good. Some days are bad, but I got into the routine of doing it. And yeah, a few, few hiccups here and there, but I always made it through. Nice. So then, uh, when it came to 2017, I didn't want to keep doing kickflips anymore. Like, you know, 
one one year straight was enough. So I want to do something, but switch it up. So now I'm just doing a trick a day, and uh, whatever trick I want to do. Nice. Uh, it'll keep it a lot more interesting for everyone else too. Yeah. So. It's cool because you can kind of just pick whatever you're feeling that day, and then that's cool. Some people will be like, oh, yeah, I like nollie shoves, too. That's the shit. Exactly. And while I was doing the kickflip today, I'd get a lot of requests. Like, oh, do one of these, do one of these, you know? They'd want to see a frontside flipper. They'd want to see a frontside 360. Or like, you know, I've never seen you do a varial flip. Will you throw a varial flip for us? Stuff like that. It's like... And then it was funny. You get the comments where people would be like, why do you always do kickflips? Like, why can't you... Throw a heel flip in there or something. It's like, what part about kick flip a day? <laughs> this guy's not kidding. Like, I'm just going to do a kick flip every day for the year. That's the goal. <laughs> so uh, this year I get to open it up and do anything. Uh, it's been fun introducing tricks to people because uh, a lot of the tricks I've been doing are ones that don't make it in your video part. You know, they're not ones that you would necessarily film and put out there. But they're tricks that a lot of us do or a lot of us grew up doing that, you know, you just don't see that much anymore. And a lot of kids might not even know they exist because if you don't see it in a video, eh, like, you don't even know about it. True. So, yeah, I started off the whole first week was just shove it tricks. Nice. You know, just not even pop shove it, just regular shove it where you don't hit your tail. And uh, there were so many of those that I could keep going for a couple weeks on those. Were they just flat? Yeah, just flat ground shoves. Dude, you know? and then you could take it to like quarter pipes and everything, up on manual pads, off of things, down things. <laughs> Sick idea. Yeah. I've been trying to block it up when I can, like into a theme, just to keep it going, because it'll be hard to do random tricks for 365 of them, you know? Yeah. And uh, not and remember where you're at, or like what you did and didn't do. So. Yeah, I didn't. Know, when I told a couple of my friends that I was going to try this, they're like, that's a lot of tricks. <laughs> like, do, do we even know? Like, I don't even know if we know 365 different tricks. I've never counted how many we know. So... Yeah, our buddy Paul Luna was like, yeah, you might be able to make it through the first hundred, but what are you going to do after that, you know? You're going to have to learn tricks. But uh, with so many different variations of tricks and, like, what you can do on ledges and, and rails and the ramp and flat ground and pretty much every trick you can do four different ways with, like, nollie, switch, fakie, and regular. So if you add that up, I'm sure if you did the math, there's a lot more than 365 tricks. Right? Yeah, because, like, a front feeble... A front feeble on a flat bar and a front feeble on a quarter pipe are two different tricks in my mind. Yeah. So there's yeah, a, you gotta come back. There's even variation. There's even variation amongst just single tricks, you know, like on what you do it on too. There'll be so many, dude. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, cause came down to even like a front feeble. You could you could nolly into it. Yep. Fake into it. Do the switch one. You know. And then you could even do the shoves out or half cabs in and frontside and backside half cabs in. You know, if you just keep working at one trick, you can turn it into, you know, 10 different tricks. Easily, easily. Is there any um, tricks that you struggle with? Is there one trick that just Jeremy Ray can't do? <laughs> Nailed it with the front side people. I oh. still haven't done one. <laughs> like, uh, we had a, a square flat bar and we'd mess around with that thing. And uh, I'd get on and my wheel would just keep falling down. It'd go into a crooked front board every time. I'd, I'd be in front feeble position, but the wheel wouldn't stay on top. Like, the truck would just let it fall off. Yeah. And no matter what I did, I'd even, like, try to ollie into backsmith on the other side just to get it to lock in. And nothing would get it to hold on front feeble. Man. You know, I never figured that out. 
But I think the trick is you gotta get like almost a five zero going and then drop it over. That'll lock it in. Because I was trying to land already in front feeble position. Yeah, it makes sense. I think that's what's making it drop off. Yeah, I'm still yeah. trying to learn the trick. I could do it, but it ain't gonna be pretty. I'll have to work at it for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I've, I actually tried to put in work on that one in a long time. But uh, it'll have to come up this year, you know? I'll get down to the, the flat bars and do some feeble grinds and front feebles. Do you have, um, yeah. do you ride tight trucks? Uh, no, they're a little on the looser side. I think, uh, because now I just ride my board however it is. I don't usually mess with it at all. And it'll get, especially on the hot summer days, it'll get looser and looser and looser. And I won't fix it. I'll just keep riding it. Yeah. So, yeah, I just let it loosen up until I get an, another set. Yeah, my, my theory is, like, because i I seen everyone doing front feebles and back smiths, and it became, like, a crazy thing in skateboarding. My theory was they're riding loose trucks, so they just pinch it in, you know, like, sit into it somehow, because their trucks are loose, so it kind of gives and pushes it in. But I don't know. I don't. My trucks are, like, medium at best. Yeah. Yeah, I can't call mine loose, because I see what day one's rocking. You know? <laughs> they're so loose, they, they jiggle, you know? <laughs> You ever notice how loose his trucks are? Yeah, he has like no bushings, I think, or he has metal washers for bushings or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, there were some times that he had nothing in there, I think. And he took out the bushings, yeah. He's like a magic. He's what we would call a unicorn. He's a magical creature. (laughs) Yeah, I remember uh, his early footage, everyone thought it was sped up because Socrates would film so low to the ground and he was so, like, compact. And all of his tricks were so quick, it looked like it was fast-forwarded and sped-up footage. No, but it wasn't. It was all legit. Because you see him do it in person, and it's exactly that fast. Yeah. I've, fast. He's like a ninja. That's why, because you see it, and yeah. it's, it does seem a little sped-up. I never thought that, but I was like, it's just super fast, you know? <laughs> yeah, even like back to the, the early World Industries videos, like, uh... I don't know, like New World Order, and what was the one before that? There was the ones like Love Child. And Love Child, Love Child was the one where people were saying it was it must have been sped up, like they pulled every other frame or something, because it just didn't seem like it could be that fast. Yeah, no, you're wrong. He's just that good, people. <laughs> yeah, he is that good. I mean, him and Dave, he, him and Rodney Mullen put out like a video where they were just versing each other, and it was legit. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Cause they're both, Absolutely. they're both like uh, gnarly at their disciplines for sure. Do Do you know both those guys personally? Yeah, when I rode for Plan B, I actually skated with Rodney a lot, and I'd be working on uh, shapes with them, and uh, we we did a lot of work together and skated a lot together. Cause I was going into the office and uh, working on even like the Duke shoes brand. That was all out of World Industries, um, so I'd go into the offices and work on that stuff, and. Uh, yeah, going to the wood shop, going to the prime wood shop and make shapes with Rodney. Sick. He taught everything about like getting those shapes balanced and you know what worked. And I was always trying to push the boundaries, like because he was still making pretty narrow boards. Like he wanted everything to look more like a freestyle board, and he pretty much got it there. Or like you know he had a seven and a half inch wide board that was almost symmetrical on the ends. That's pretty darn close to a freestyle board right there. And uh, he had everyone following suit. But that's where the tricks were going, too. But uh, I started making longer wheelbases and a little bit wider boards. And uh, it would always trip them out. But, uh, yeah, I was more comfortable on a bigger board. And I just kept pushing it. Every, every shape I went in was a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. 
until I got it to uh, just over an eight inch board. I think I had like an eight point one something, and uh, that was about the biggest I made over there. But that was huge at the time. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. No one was going over even close to eight. Yeah, it was all quarters and and under. When I started skating, I think there was like seven fives out, and that's like I don't even know if that exists really anymore. Seven five. <laughs> no, that's the crazy thing. Like uh, we made a, a reissue of one of my old boards, and we made it on a seven and a half, and it sold out within two weeks. Awesome. We made it at the Prime Wood Shop. Made it the original shape from like from '94, and yeah, people ate that thing up. Yeah. I didn't think market for like the, the smaller board but people might have been wall hanging them and not skating them i don't know yeah but uh we do get hit up for those narrow boards because no one makes them anymore yeah i always so, i feel like there should be smaller boards because like kids get into skating and they're going to need something to ride there used to be a brand 16 that was just for kids like 16 and under like their boards are smaller and the termite they used to do that stuff you know yeah there's still a few yeah a little bit for some reason but um uh oh i wanted to switch it up a little bit i wanted to go back to like um weather in the storm like the recession in america and all that stuff and having a family and like how'd you stay afloat did you get like a nine to five or the closest thing i got to a nine to five was when we did the the built shred you know but that was actually showing up super early in the morning, driving out through traffic in the, you know, in the high traffic time through L.A. So you'd have to leave like, you know, two hours before you had to be there. So sometimes you're, you're leaving the house at like 530 or 6 in the morning just to get there on time. And, you know, spending a full, sometimes even a 10, 11, 12 hour day and coming back through traffic. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was real work. But it was also in skateboarding, so it was it was fine and it was fun. Yeah, that's the win-win. <laughs> yeah, other than that, I mean, it was during the, our time at Built to Shred, we decided to start Ray Bros brand. Nice. So me and my brother Jonas just, you know, decided to, we found a place where we could make boards, and I threw a couple graphics at them, we got something back, we tried it out, ended up not liking the wood as much. And then got a connection for better wood, so we ended up some, make, getting some boards made through Dwindle, and uh, that way we're using the same quality wood as some of the top brands over there. And uh, yeah, just kept the ball rolling and trying to make it make it work that way. But we're still pretty small at this point. When you um, when you decided you're going to start a brand, did you feel like you had a good understanding of what needed to be done? Like, yeah, the thing is like. I knew how to design the graphics. I've been doing my graphics. I did all my graphics for Blockhead and for Color and a lot of the Plan B graphics. I was just doing my own artwork. And uh, there was a good response to it, so I figured I could handle the graphics and logos and things like that. And even uh, doing the branding and stuff um, with Duke Shoes, I did all that. Like I came up with the logo, designed the first shoe, designed the box, um, all the way down the line, did it from scratch myself. So I'd done it a few times. I knew how it needed to be done. But I think that's what kept me from doing my own hand for a long time. Because I knew how much work it was, and I knew how hard it was to make it. So I just didn't 
you know, I just skated and tried not to get involved in all that for a lot of years. But in the end, you find out that if you want to keep skateboarding, that's the only thing that's going to keep you going is if you do your own brand, you know, because sponsors will eventually fade out and you're going to be on your own anyway. So if you have something and you notice the people that, that make it further, they're the ones that did start their own brands, you know, so something we should have done a long time ago, but it was time. Skateboarding is fucking definitely worth investing in, so you're doing the right thing. <laughs> it saved my life. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It does a lot of good, you know? Yeah, it does a lot of good for you. It's just trying to, to scrape out a living doing it, and uh, as you get older, you know, and there's, you're just not out there as much, you know? A family band, you got kids, you can't get out and skate all day, every day. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you get in what you can, and you can film some stuff, but... You know, it's going to be less productive as when you were a teenager, you know? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You take on... Uh, it seems like as you get older, you take on more responsibility, you know? Like, you you hopefully, if you have the skills, you take on a little more responsibility and do the stuff. So, it's good, man. Yeah. It's all awesome. Um, oh, I wanted to ask you about... Um, one second. I have a list right here. I'll just pull it up. Oh, the, t- the, the Ollie, dude. I was telling people when we broke up before, I was like, dude, Jeremy Ray did this ollie from tower to tower. Are they water towers? Yeah, I guess they are water towers. Dude, that was the gnarly... For the longest time, me and my friends were like, that's the gnarliest thing (laughs) that's ever been done. Because you literally, there's no bailing. And I saw the clip of you running and jumping across it. Yeah. And I can't even imagine getting the ball to even just do that. Ollieing seems easier than that. Yeah, running and jumping it was definitely scarier. Gnarly. Because the way you have to run and set your feet, if you're off by a half a step, you don't get the full stride on your last step to jump it. Or if you plant your foot like a foot early, you have to jump a foot further. So running that fast and making sure your foot that you're going to jump off of lands right at the edge is sketchy. Commitment. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and the only reason to run and jump it was uh, there was only a way to get up onto the the one that I landed on. So there was like a fire escape ladder that was even hard to get up. But once you get up there, you had to get to the other side. It was rough on that one, and you're going into the wind. So the takeoff was too rough to ollie. There was like actual like cement bumps that you would hit, and you know it could knock you forward. And, uh, or just uneven and you get a funky pop. So you, that's why I had to run and jump to the smoother one and then come with the wind at your back too and try to do that. And they are, they're flat to flat. I don't know, like a lot of people thought one was higher than the other because the way the cover was shot, but it's pretty much just doing like a, a sidewalk to sidewalk gap, you know, like a, one of the street gaps. What would you, really what would you say the, the metrics are? How tall are those and how long is the gap roughly? best guess on the height is somewhere in like the 40 foot range like 45 feet something like that i don't know for sure i don't have a tape measure that goes that long but uh it's it's well like well over like quadruple head you know yeah like you're fucked if you fall if you fall in that you're you're lucky to survive it you know yeah you're definitely going to the hospital yeah how you land or how you you know what happens to you? You don't know. All right. What about the flat gap, though? The flat gap, 
same thing. Like I, uh, I tried to walk it off on the ground and see how long it was, and it was um, over 16 feet from wall to wall. So, but uh, the roof has that tiny little overhang, so it's got to be somewhere in that range. And that's if the walls are straight up. They might taper in. We don't know. So I'd have to actually get a tape measure at the top and find out. Yeah. Because you can't really can't walk it off at the top to find out. And so I'm glad you did all the work. I'm glad you did all the work before you tried to ollie it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, w- I wouldn't think that. I would just be like, oh, maybe, and then try to jump in fucking clip. <laughs> How many tries? I had run and jump stuff before. There was another roof gap uh, down at one of Pachanita schools down there near Garden Grove. And it was a 15-foot gap. And that one was funny because it had like a tar roof and right towards the edge, the roof kind of tapered up like a little jump ramp almost, but uh, it made it harder to skate because right when you go to hit your tail, you're going uphill. It's like a little tranny like. And it wasn't consistent, you know, it was too tiny of a bump to really help you. So you either had to ollie before it and pretty much do it like you're ollieing over curb first, or you go right at the end and try to use that little bump. And uh, there was a small one and a big one there. And uh, we had skated the small one, but it's just funky to skate. And no one had ever ollied the big one. I think to this day, no one's ollied the big one there. Not really. But uh, I ran and jumped it once on a bet. I was there with Dan Sturt and Rodney Mullen, and uh, they bet me that I couldn't do it. So <laughs> I took the bet, and uh, I ran and jumped it. I was able to run and jump it first try. Everything was good. And uh, Sturt got a photo of it. And uh, it ended up being a Duke's ad of me jumping across the roof gap. Nice. And it's funny, there's a board in the in the photo when I'm jumping it, and it was my brother Jonas threw the board in while I jumped it. Whoa. So, <laughs> making just a weird photo where you got a board somewhere where it doesn't belong, and I'm fully, like, doing, like, the long jump style of jump where you both feet are in front of you, you know? Yeah, it's like, like what? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the style of jump I had to do to clear that one. But, uh, yeah, they ended up betting me, and I made it. And uh, it was funny. He, Sturt somewhere has a photo of me and him shaking hands, and he's handing over money because they bet me, like, a couple hundred bucks or something that I couldn't do it. Damn, yeah, I would try I would try for a couple hundred bucks for sure. <laughs> That's... Taking his and sealing the deal, and they're handing over the cash. Nice. It's funny. Are you, have you always been um, athletic? Like, did you play sports in school, or...? Yeah, I was athletic to the point where I just, I like to jump a lot. I got a lot of nicknames related to how I jumped. Yeah. You know? But, uh, yeah, earlier on in uh, skating around Huntington Beach, they called me the frog. Nice. And I would just ollie, like, any fire hydrant, any set of stairs, any stair sidewalk set, any, you know, street gap. If there was something to ollie, I would ollie it. That's and, uh, they just started calling me the frog. I could see that. <laughs> was that? I think back in the school days, like we would go to some uh, thing at the school. They had a trampoline, and you had to jump over. They were doing some contest where you had to jump over like a, a high jump kind of thing off a trampoline, and they had all of us running through this thing. And uh, there was like you know start out with thirty kids all trying to jump this thing, and as they raise it higher and higher, everyone's getting knocked out, and 
I was the littlest dude, and I made it like the, the final three guys jumping over this thing, and it was well overhead high for me. Whoa, and, sick. Uh, jumping up off a trampoline, doing some kind of ninja kick to get over it, and eventually I hit the thing. But uh, yeah, the guys that beat me were like, you know, two or three times my age. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, jumping is just fun. Yeah, that's sick. You're not jumping as much now, though. <laughs> yeah, you gotta maintain it, though, you know? You can't let it go completely. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you slow down on ollies, that's the funny thing. It doesn't stay with you. Like, if you're not ollie and stuff consistently, you can't just hop on a board and ollie over a trash can standing up, you know? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta keep that one going. Yeah, because so. I feel like if you don't keep ollie in, you're just gonna feel heavier and heavier and heavier until it's beyond the ollie. <laughs> yeah. For sure. That's fun. When ledges that used to feel small now are struggle to get on, you know, that's when you know like you're slacking a little bit. <laughs> do you do do you do anything like any workouts to like stay in shape too besides skating or is it just skating? Just skating. I, I can't do the gym. I can't do even stretching before you skate. None of that. Like for me it's just all skateboarding. Like if I have to get warmed up I just take it easy in the first 20 minutes, you know? I'll go skate around, maybe hit my tail a couple times, not do flip tricks right off the bat, you know? And actually, I learned that one from Solomon. Solomon, a guy at the, at the Tampa contest. He would just cruise the course. Like, he wouldn't do a flip trick for the first, you know, 30 minutes while he's skating out there. He's just getting his body warm, you know? And then uh, when it came time to do his run or, or to try something, he was ready for it, and he could usually do it right off the bat, but... There was a, that nice warm-up time of just, just cruising for a bit. Yeah. And uh, I kind of learned that from him, and it, it does work. Because if you hop right out there and start trying to kickflip right off the bat and try to kickflip a pyramid and you start kicking it out, all of a sudden, you know, you're 30 tries deep. You didn't even make one kickflip, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a few times, get used to it, and you're warm and you're ready for it, you can get that kickflip first try. Yeah. Know? It was like... it. It's like if you went to the skate park by yourself, you wouldn't just start trying that kickflip, you know? So, it's like, do that approach. That's way smarter. <laughs> yeah, it until your body's ready, you know? You, you know when you're ready to do some stuff. Yeah, I take my time. Like, when I go to the park, I'll, like, just walk around the whole park for a while, and then I start rolling, carving, power slides. Like, till you at least feel your heart move a little, you know? That's true. I know, some of the, the best slams have been early in the morning when you're not that warmed up and something catches you off guard and uh yeah you do something you're not ready for or even something you normally do and something goes wrong and you, you don't even know you're falling yet bam it happens fast yeah we call them um, warm-ups that's what i call them yeah. you gotta take a warm-up <laughs> that's cool that's cool um i wanted to earlier i wanted to ask you what dill was like i only know him through video and interview uh, he was a personality right off the bat, his character. And, uh, yeah, he was just this funny little kid. He was tiny when we used to skate together, too. And, uh, yeah, he was just a little ball of energy. And uh, he always had really strong opinions on everything. Like, he would absolutely hate something and then really love this other thing. And then a week later, he'd completely flip-flop, and he'd be like, oh, that stuff sucks now. This is good, you know? But uh, I just remember... Early on, he everything Gons. He loved Gons. I think he wanted to be Mark Gonzalez. That was his like go-to, and I think that's where a little bit of the crazy and fun comes in because like Gons is such a weird character. I think he must have picked it up from him, you know, because uh, 
just trying to be unique. Yeah. Do you remember that brand, um, 23? It was a board brand? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Didn't Dill used to ride for them? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I think that's when I first, like, found out about Dill was through 23. Yeah, Sal Barbie started 23. All yeah. of his stuff was 23. All Michael Jordan stuff. You know, his first shoe was had the 23 on it for us. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Let's see. Yeah, all that stuff. That's all, uh, just loving, uh, Michael Jordan, I'm sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah, sick. All right, one sec. I'm going to make sure I cover all this stuff. I want to make sure. Oh, I wanted to ask you about Skate and Hubba Hideout. You've definitely been to Hubba Hideout quite a bit, right? Yeah. Um, I don't, the first time we'd been up there, we had seen it. And I think the only thing that had gone down was probably like a nose slide and maybe a, a crooked grind. Whoa, it fresh. Really early crooked grind. And then, uh... Yeah, I think that's about it. And then Questionable came around, and uh, there were a few more tricks that went down on it. Like Pat Duffy had the 180 nose grinds and stuff like that. And Rick Howard had frontside nose slide, I think. Gnarly. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. The thing was really tall. For a lot of people, it was just out of their range. It was just too tall. But uh, I was into skating tall stuff. You know, when you got the little extra snaps, getting on to higher stuff all of a sudden was possible. And uh, for me, I, it's funny. Every time I went there, the first trick I would try is a nose slide on it. And I, I'd say a few times I went there, and you try to ollie as high as you can to get on this nose slide, and I overshot it a couple times. Not really. You know, on the first ollie too high, and your wheels end up on top, and you just end up on the ground. That was one of those warm-up slams. You know? <laughs> and then all of a sudden you dial it in. Okay, you can, you can reel it back a little bit. But uh, once you get comfortable there... It was a perfect thing to skate because it was wide on top. So like, it's not like skating a handrail where you're afraid of like getting sacked or like getting tangled up in it. You can actually put your foot directly on top of it if something goes wrong and you're you're okay. So for me, it felt pretty safe, you know. And it wasn't so long that you couldn't get past it either, you know. So if you go out there and you try something, no matter what you tried, you can end up on the bricks on your feet. Yeah. And uh, try it again, you know. So I, I don't know. I guess I, I understood it early on and started getting familiar with it. But uh, our trips to SF were, you know, usually only for a couple of days and at longest maybe a week. So you'd have to get it in while you were there. And if you didn't get something, you know, it might be another year till you go back up. So you had to make your trips up there count, you know? Yeah. Was it ever sketchy there? As far as bums and things? Yeah, like, did you, is it, was it chill to skate? How, when did you go skate it? Did you have a set schedule? Like, when's it, like, because I feel like there was always some antics going on or something. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of homeless people around the area, but, like, it seemed like most of them were pretty used to skateboarding. And, uh, you know, we weren't that out of place. We would go skate around EMB for a while, and uh, we would never go straight to Hubba, I don't think, to do anything. It was always skate Embarcadero for a while. And then if something was feeling good or something you wanted to try, then you'd go up there and try something on Hubba. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was that type of spot. You had to be ready for, for it. You yeah. Know? yeah. But as far as, yeah, bump, no one, no one really bothered us there. I mean, you'd, you'd sometimes get there and there'd be bums in the area that would make it hard to skate because they're sleeping on the wall or, like, they're in the way. 
you know, and you just either wait for them to leave or come back later, you know? Yeah, makes sense. I went, want to hear a crazy story is when I went to SF one time and my friend Chris Trembley, he had just got on Deluxe. Um, he was riding for them and uh, he was like set on liberating Hubba Hideout because it had been knobbed. So, uh, yeah, they, it got knobbed and then, um, he was like dead set on it. So we got a generator, electric cord, all this stuff, Sawzall went there, removed the knobs and like we liberated Hubba Hideout one side of it and, uh, he did a nose blunt. Dude, he, we did it. We did that super late at night and then, um, came back the next morning super early and my friend did a nose blunt on it just to do it and it was fucking, it was sick. That's awesome. Yeah, but it wasn't sketchy then either. But it was just kind of like cool, and I still have like um, part of the the knob somewhere. Oh yeah, one of the ones you guys took off. Yeah, and then I remember people killed it afterwards. Like more people went at it because it was liberated. I think like Rob Rob Welsh got tricks on it then too. Yeah, they put some heavy knobs on that thing too. Yeah, you had to cut. You had to cut them two times. You had to cut them like across and down, which is gnarly. Yeah. Pain the so when it was liberated, it was all right. Like it didn't leave, take out chunks or leave a bolt sticking up or anything. It no, it was solid. it was skatable again. We didn't do all of them. We just did the f- enough so he could nose blunt it, and then it was perfect to skate again. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> SF's a wild place. <laughs> yeah, no, I always enjoyed going up there. Um, yeah. We used to go up there and stay with Huff. While he was even riding back in the fun days, nice. you know, and on to when he rode for real, we would, he was our hub up there because he was, you know, rooted right there in the city and you could skate from his house to Embarcadero and get around from there. So yeah, it was, it was good. All those years just going up, having a place to be and, uh, yeah, I go from there. Yeah. That's... Um, we had one of the trips up there early on and, uh. The day that we got in, it was raining. I go in, and uh, I look out the next morning to see if it was dry enough to skate, and my car is missing. My I had a Honda Accord. It got stolen. <laughs> All my stuff back, too. I had, I had brought my skateboard in with me, luckily, but I think even, like, I had a box of all kinds of product that was in the trunk, and, uh, yeah, I think I just had my skateboard, and I brought up my bag with some clothes, but everything else in the car, just, the whole car is gone. <laughs> So we were supposed to be up there for a week. Uh, so I had to report it stolen. And, yeah, for the whole week, we were just skating around the, the city and not thinking too much about it, how we are going to get home or anything. And I think it was on the sixth day, I finally got a, a call. And they said they had located the car <laughs> and someone had stolen it. They parked it on a street during a street sweeping day. So this, it got a ticket. And that's when it got the ticket, it ran through the system that it was stolen. So they towed it. So, yeah, in the end, like, we got it a couple days later. But we had to pay a ticket, pay the impound fee, pay the towing guy, uh-huh. and fix a broken window. And then we were out. Crazy. That's sick that it worked out, though, and you just had your car back. <laughs> yeah. Right when we needed it, it came back. So, <laughs> Clutch. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> All right, cross that off the list. That's off the list. Tower camp. How was? How were you in school? Did you like school at all? I hated school. <laughs> I hated it. Uh, like, uh, 
I treated school like, like like work. I would just clock in, do the work, clock out, go skate. You know? And uh, I couldn't wait to graduate and just be done with it and be out. Because uh, then I'd have more time to skate. could skate on weekdays during the day. Because, uh, yeah, waiting for that weekend to roll around so you could actually go out and film and shoot photos. Sometimes it was a long wait. Yeah, so, I had the same approach. Know, <laughs> but as far as, like, grades and stuff, like, uh, I did, always did okay in school. And uh, it's funny, when we moved to La Habra, I guess they just had an easier system over there. Because school was always a challenge everywhere else. When I got to La Habra, they didn't expect much of you. <laughs> they would even tell you, like, if you just show up every day, don't even do the homework. Just do the work in class. I'll guarantee you a C average, you know? They were giving out C's just for showing up. Damn. <laughs> and I, yeah, so I graduated with straight A's from that school. And, Damn. Uh, not a problem at all, you know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> There's but, uh, le- There's levels to the schooling system. Yeah, I was thrown off their curve a bit. You know? <laughs> I was actually, uh, like a lot of people would class and just, you know, go do hoodlum stuff around the town, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, there were a lot of gangs in La Havre and stuff like that. No, uh, Other things, just pulling people away from school. Yeah, a lot of that is counseling. Like, sometimes, like, I had deals when I was in school because uh, I had, like, emotional issues and, like, broken family stuff. And, uh... The one person was like, yeah, just do the work. And you could, I, you could, he literally let me sleep all day. And he's like, I'll pass you. So I did the work. We had like an agreement. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, you obviously just want to sleep. <laughs> like, I'm like, yep, I'll take a nap. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's crazy, man. So what about, you take that into consideration looking for a school when you have, a, when you become a father, huh? <laughs> well, we ended up, uh randomly in a good school district we didn't know it was one of the best school districts when we moved here yeah but it turns out like you know one of the top three top five something like that school districts in the area so we're we're in good shape nice so jackson jackson's in kindergarten so you know if we can stay in the area he'll have good good schools all the way up yeah that's sick um what about what about like um substance abuse drugs anything you ever dabble? <laughs> How do you? What do you? What's your poison? <laughs> we had friends that did everything, so a lot of our friends got hooked on all kinds of stuff. But I mean, early on, of course, it was alcohol. Like everyone was heavy drinkers. I think most of our friends are alcoholics, you know. And uh, I didn't drink. I was still too busy skating and filming and traveling and shooting photos, and I always wanted to be on point. So I wasn't even drinking. I think I didn't have my first drinks until about 22. Solid. It wasn't until, it wasn't until Jonas turned 21. And, uh, cause he was drinking early on. Just, uh, out partying with all the friends and stuff. And, uh, they all got started pretty early. I think, like, you know, even junior year, that kind of stuff, or sophomore year. Yeah. Just, yeah. And they, they weren't drinking a little, they were drinking a lot. Yeah, going for it. <laughs> yeah, so even uh, when we moved out of the house and we were living on our own, you know, there'd be parties that would go down at the house, all kinds of drinking and drugs going down, and, uh, you know, you're right in the mix. And it's crazy to be there and not be one that drinks or does anything, you know, and you see it all firsthand. So, 
yeah, I think it, it helped me stay away from it for a lot longer, just seeing all the kids going through it. But, uh, you know, I ended up drinking with everybody, just, you know, not making it a big deal. And uh, I can still go out and have drinks today, and it's not an issue for me, you know? Yeah, nice. Oh, I think you paused me. There you are. Um, that was a call. I let it go. Oh, weird. Um, yeah, moderation. I'm big on moderation. That's what, like, I'm trying to learn. I grew up, like, the way I grew up was, like, no rules, so you could do whatever you wanted, you know? I never really did too much gnarly stuff, because the same as you, like, I just wanted to skate more than anything, because that was the funnest, yeah. that's the funnest thing. That's, like, the best drug, for sure, you know? Um, but yeah, moderation, that was, like, key, <laughs> for sure. And it helps if you, uh, hold out till you're older till you do that stuff, for sure. It helps. Because then you know not to, like, abuse it as much. Yeah, absolutely. I know, like, we lost a lot of good skateboarders just because they like to party too much. And, you know, they end up losing their sponsors and can't make it back. And then they don't skate as much. And then, you know, it's really hard to come back from that once things start going the wrong direction. Yeah. But if you want, you can come back in. But, yeah, it's just tough. Yeah. I think uh, we'd have a lot more footage of people that we really like seeing if they could have stayed off that stuff. Yeah, no, I love when I see dudes that I grew up skating and they're still skating, like, because I hope, hopefully we'll be skating until I'm fucking can't anymore physically, you know, like, that should be the goal, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just maybe, like, humble our ambitions a little bit so you can not get hurt as much. <laughs> well, that's the thing, like, the older you get and you still want to skate, you know that the gnarlier stuff you're trying, you're more likely to get hurt and you won't be able to skate. And the reasons for doing that start fading away, you know, like, I'm not shooting photos for an interview right now. I'm not filming for the last video part in a an escape video, you know? Yeah. So I can cruise and have some fun and do the tricks that I like to do, the ones that feel good. And I can still challenge myself to try something a little harder if I want, you know, but it's all on me and what I, what I want to do. Yeah. And, uh, the more I can stay healthy, the more I can skate, you know? For sure. So, <laughs> yeah. It's less of a reason to go try to hurt myself off some, you know, quadruple set. <laughs> you know? Well, you are. The good thing is you've already done it. So it's like, you set some bars, my friend. And thank you. Um, thank you for doing the show. And thank you for just killing it at skating for real. Because like I said, I wasn't kidding. Like skateboarding literally saved my life. So I watched your skating growing up and you added to the stoke, stoke and the fire inside of me to like keep doing cool shit with skateboarding. So that means the world to me. Thank you. Yeah, I love hearing that stuff because a lot of people will tell me that I inspired them in one way or another, or like, you know, was a big part of their skateboarding growing up, so it's always cool to hear that. And uh, even the kids now that started with the, the starting point video, they'd say that was their first video and you taught me how to do kickflips, and now, like, you know, here they are 15 years later still skateboarding and loving it, and, you know, like, you taught me how to, how to skate. Sick. So it's cool. I get those every now and then now. It's awesome. It's so rad, man. Um, before we go, do you, what's your uh, social media? Is it just your name across the platforms? Are you on Facebook, uh, Twitter, or Instagram? Or Yeah, I got the Instagram. I had to do uh, Jeremy underscore Ray because uh, the other straight one was taken. I don't even know who has it. <laughs> Jeremy! <laughs> yeah, it was taken already. And then, uh, yeah, for our... Ray Bros Instagram is just at Ray Bros. Nice. And we have yeah the, the brand account, and then uh, Facebook stuff same thing. 
Jeremy Ray for mine and uh, Ray Bros for the other one. Hell yeah. So. Perfect. Thank you, man. Thank you for everything, and uh, I'll talk to you soon.